0: Fine. All right. So Thursday the night choland, the rules are <laughs> it's Cholent. We eat real Cholent, and it's a Cholent because we learn something different every night. Last week, remember what we learned last week? Kadusha Slavy, So now we're going to travel. We're going to get on our plane. We're going to fly from Ukraine. We're going to go to Iraq. We're going to go to Baghdad. Except this is before it was Iraq. We're going to go to Baghdad. We're going to go to the Benishchai. Yeah. And that's why also I made the jachnun. I couldn't find out an Iraqi Jewish dish. So the jachnun is Yemenite. So I figured <laughs> the best I could do. It was the best I could. So anyways, you see the jachnun. That's the COVID, the Ben Yishchai. And it was best. I hope it's not cultural appropriation. I'm just doing my <laughs> best over here. Just doing my best. Okay. Anyhow. Um, yeah. So Ben Yishchai. Ben Ish-hai was a big Paisik, a Rav. And uh, he was, he, actually he was not, he, he didn't have the position of Rav in town, in Baghdad. In fact, he didn't even have a shul, but he was known for um, codifying halacha. And uh, he gave drushes on halacha, but also spark, you know, like sprinkled in with a lot of uh, drush with a lot of homiletics. And he was famous for his shiurim. So the Sefer, Ben Ish-hai, his, uh are his drushes? basically these are his uh, his sermons when so he you. he passed away 1909 not that long ago yeah it's not that long oh. ago I think 1835 to 1909 and uh yeah and he was he was a uh, he was the communal leader in Baghdad um it's actually tell you before we get started, there's an interesting story about the Ben Um He writes about it, Ben Nigei to Hilchas I think when it talks about uh, eating hot food on Shabbos. Anyways, the story is that there was a Jew in the Baghdad community who wanted to, he wanted to uh, leave Yiddishkeit, not for any ideological reasons, but simply because he felt it would be advantageous if he become a Muslim, so just you know, he'd get into the right country clubs or whatever it is. So, they had a rule, the Muslims in in Baghdad at that time. I don't know how widespread the rule is or not, but I'm not you know, I'm not so studied in these things. But uh, apparently, there they had a rule, very similar to Gators, where they try to talk you out of it by the Eden they try to talk you out of it. So they used to have a rule that in Baghdad, at least, if you tried to, someone not Muslim tried to become Muslim, they had to have someone from your own religion come and try to talk you out of it to make sure you're sincere. So I guess the story itself is a proof that somebody would do it not being sincere, you know, because it was economically uh, favorable. So anyways, they brought in the Ben that he should be the one to try to talk him out of it. and The Ben he was a big orator and... Just a, 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 a marvelous scholar, he could pull from all different Torah sources. And he, you know, imagine this—you know, you have this guy's spiritual life on the line. You've Got to pull together the greatest speech you could ever come up with. And he said, hey, "I did it." And I, I tried to really, really move. If you have ever had to move a crowd, you know, this is where the stakes are really high. And I, and I give him this whole long talk about you can't do this, you can't, you can't uh, sever the golden chain. And the guy hears the whole speech from Ben Ish and he's like. Yeah, like I hear you, but I, I got to do what I got to do. So the Benish Banishchai was like, you know what? It's not working. It's not work. I want to call in uh, backup. So they found a the guy who was friends with this guy since they were kids. And he was a poshoteur. He was a simple guy. He was not an orator. He was not a scholar. But he was just a guy who knew this guy growing up. So they brought him in. And the Banishchai says, you talk him out of it. So the guy says, okay, I'll, you know, Rabbi, you did a good, you took a good try, but I'm going to keep it real simple. He says to his friend, he says, you know the hamin that we eat on Shabbat? You know the, the, right? the chameen and Shabbat, you know the egg in the hamin. you know, you eat it on Shabbat? Okay, if you become a Muslim, you're never going to have that egg again. The guy's like can't do it. I <laughs> can't do it. So that was it. That was the winning argument. The hamin, the egg and the hamin on Shabbat, can't do it. Can't do it. Okay. So at any rate, that's probably also why I served the Cholm before the Shir, because what's more compelling, you know, the shear or the Cholm? Don't answer that. Okay. Anyways. All right. So we're going to learn Benish Chai on Parshas Lechucho, not the whole thing, not the whole Parshas Lechocho. I think I saw that his droshas used to take five hours. I think that's what I saw. Anyways, uh, we're going to do part of the drosh on Lechucho. And I gave you the copies. I'm sorry, it's small print, but just to save ink. Sorry, I have an inkjet. I got somebody foots the bill for the Kinkos or whatever it is, maybe next week we'll have a better print. I give myself a better print. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyways. Looks fine to me. Looks okay? All right. All right. right. That's the possible. And Avram, before he was Avraham, he was Avram, was laden, was heavy, literally heavy, but it means laden or loaded with cattle with silver with gold what is this talking about after they went down to mitzrayim and pare tried to kidnap or he did kidnap sarah and then he found out who she was and he had to pay off avraham and he got that whole big uh payoff how much i don't know there was a non-disclosure agreement so we don't know exactly what the payoff was we can't discuss the exact terms but it was it was a lot he was heavy with this payoff and uh so the Bendish says like this, it seems to me, with heavenly assistance. In other words, this is his khidush. She's saying his own khidish here. Bo ha kosov This verse is coming to teach us. a shalom. A praise about Avramavinu, Bemidas Hanafshes regarding his good spiritual traits or personal traits. Lamer to tell us. Even though you see about Avram. He had great zrizus, alacrity. Alacrity. Where do we see Avram had alacrity? In this very partial in this very parsha, we explained, the Chai says, and Avram went like Hashem told him to do. What are we talking about? means go, leave your land. So when Hashem told him, leave your land, he didn't say, okay, you know what? I mean, the lease is paid until the end of the year, and then after that, we're going to move. No, he says, go. He went. All right. Claimer, take from Yad, that means immediately. And even though he was 75 years old, he didn't slow him down. Usually people get slow around 75, at least. He didn't slow him down. And also, when the Holy One told him, that was an even bigger Nisayat. Hashem told him, bigger test, Hashem told him, go to the Mount Moriah with your son, who you love, with Isaac, talking about the the, the Akedah, the soin of the Akedah. And what what did Avram do? (laughs) He got up early in the morning to do Hashem's will. So here's the deal. We know about Avram, he was quick. He would jump on things. He would not push them off. He had that midas Okay, so therefore, what does this come to tell us? Al do not think. Do not think he used out that attribute, that personality trait, when it came to mundane things. To use, that, to use out that alacrity when it came to material and bodily things. Like Cain! It is not so. In other words, we see a dichotomy. On one hand, Avraham had great zrizis So maybe you would think he had zrizis he had alacrity, regarding everything. So the no, Ben that no, that, that's, that, that's the Chiddush. That when it came to spiritual stuff, He would jump on it, he would do it fast. But when it came to material stuff, he didn't have that alacrity. Watch what he says. Not only he didn't have that alacrity in material stuff, he had quite the opposite. He moved heavily, like like it was a burden. And that is what the Torah tells us. Avram was very heavy. Was, it was like a burden to him. He was very heavy. <laughs> he acted heavily when it came to mikne kasev And I think there's a little play on words here. Mikne means cattle, can also be to be kine, can also mean to make acquisition. Right That means b'kinyan shi'eshlei the kasev v'zahav when he would acquire mikne kinyan when he would acquire silver and gold. He wasn't. So quick, raid of hachareim lasigem to run after them and to attain them. Now, another great, the So the ben says, and I had to look it up by the way to see if they were contemporaneous in any fashion, and they're not. It's hundred years earlier. The chidah uh, from Yerushalayim says uh, in dvor mechodim. Dvorim mechodim is one of the svarim of the chidah. He says, Beposik lake el nemolo otzel. It's a Posik in Mishli in Proverbs. King Solomon's wisdom. He says, go to, King Solomon says, go to the ant, lazy bones. I don't know how to trans- translate otzel. Otzel is a, is a noun, is a person who's lazy. So, go to the ant, lazy bones. You know what, ant, not the ant, like your mother, sister, who's your aunt. In Chicago, they're both aunts. I don't know. Some people say aunt. Aunts. We say aunt. How, so how do you know which one it is? If you step on it, it's an ant. If she gives you an $18 check for your bar mitzvah, it's an aunt. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> see its ways, the ant's ways, and become wise. Okay, let me say the, the whole verse again from, from, from Proverbs. go to the ant, lazy bones. look at, watch, observe her ways, the ant's ways, The Chacham and become wise. So the chedah says, like this, that what does this mean? Minan learn alacrity from an ant, ach, however, but use out that alacrity for spiritual and religious things. Use that attribute of zrizis for wisdom. That's what it means. That's what it means. Don't use out that alacrity for things that are vanity, for things that are worthless. You and Shum, you should look over there more carefully. In other words, go look at the ant doesn't mean go imitate the lifestyle of an ant. Okay, I've been watching this ant, taking some uh, lessons. Apparently, you're supposed to go to a lot of picnics. And you march back and forth all day with a crumb that weighs ten times as much as you. Okay, I got it. I'm going to be... King Solomon says, be like the ant. No. King Solomon says, learn the midas hazrizos, the alacrity from the ant, and then apply that. V'chachom. Go apply that attribute to spiritual things. Okay. So too, the says, where until him In the long test. Longest capital term. Translation is: I hastened and I did not tarry. I did not dawdle. Those are two popular words everyone uses in regular conversation, right? Tarry or dawdle, or, I did not delay. Okay. I hurried. I did not delay. To observe your mitzvah. The, so the Chai says, hold on, like, it sounds like a little, little repetitive here. Kevin the since he says I hurried, why does he have to say I did not delay? If you're not if you're hurrying, you're not delaying. It seems to me again with divine assistance says he got divine assistance for his Kiddush. It's coming to praise the alacrity of David Melech, which was extreme to the utmost. Let's say a scenario is a person is going to somebody else's house. He has business to do. He has to go get something. And he's in a hurry, so he's running. He's running over there. But when he gets to the streets, where there's pedestrians, there are onlookers, there are people who see him. So when he's running in the countryside, he's running through a field. So he's running, he's bolting. But when he's walking down the street, he doesn't want to look like a Meshul So then, he can't run in front of them. So then he just goes, casual. Until he gets into that house. Since he was running, after all, he was running. He was sprinting before. Before he was sprinting. Since he was sprinting before. He's very tired from his sprinting. Since after he was running. Now after he stops running. He can't run so much anymore. So what does he do? He can't run anymore. He can't jog with big steps. He goes very, you know, Slow. It's like resting up now. He was sprinting when no one was watching. Now people are watching. Now he's, you know, sauntering, walking slowly, catching his breath, catching his wind. is However, someone who has a lot of alacrity, even after he stops running, gam came He's still going with alacrity. What does that mean? You know, like the ladies at the mall, like the old ladies at 5 a.m. at the mall. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> fast walking. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My grandmother used to go to the mall. You walk fast. Like 5 in the morning. That's why they open up the mall, 5 in the morning. The old ladies, they go there to walk fast. Yeah. Okay, thank you. All right. So he doesn't walk going to act it out. It doesn't walk like this, sauntering. It walks like this.
1: Yeah, mall walkers.
0: People on, on, on YouTube, Google, the mall walking. I don't know, maybe it a thing in the 90s. But anyways, go like this. Because in the winter, it's cold out, so you walk in the mall. Fast walking like okay. All right, so David Amel, okay, anyways, he's going to explain David Amel over here. Uh, This is what King David, peace be upon him, used to do. When he used to go out to do a mitzvah, first he would run. It's saying literally, he would physically run. He would run. He would bolt out of the palace, I guess. After he would have to slow down, because it's not, you know, befitting for the king to run in front of him. But even when he had to slow down, he didn't slow down, like sauntering. He would do the fast walk. And that's what it means. I hurried. At first I ran full sprint. Also, I didn't delay. I didn't tarry. I didn't linger. safe even at the end, me, I didn't give myself a rest. Even when I had to slow down, I was still walking as quickly as I can. And all of this alacrity—what did I use it for? That's the end of the of the verse. To mitzvah. In other words, it wasn't just he was a fast guy; he liked to do things quickly. No, he—it was specific. It was deliberate. It was focused on doing mitzvahs. So. What we're saying here is that of Avinu and apparently also Davina Melech, that you would see an incredible Zedizos to the point where you could just think, well, that's just his style. And I was one of these guys, you know, what is it? They, they, they say, what's the smallest unit of time measurable by science? The amount of time between it turning the light turning green and a New Yorker honking at you. So, you know, it's not that they're just so excited to do mitzvahs, you know, it's just... New Yorkers, right? They're in a hurry. Boom! right? Get Boop. I used to live in Pittsburgh. You want to know something? I'll tell you. Andy Hertz is not here. He, we sometimes we, take, so we talk about Pittsburgh stuff, but in Pittsburgh, you could uh, not if the light would turn green, you could just sit there and not go and miss a whole turn of the light. No one would yell. They wouldn't honk at you. They would not. No one. Okay, I guess we're missing the light. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, no, no, wait. Yeah. <laughs> you read a whole book and. Just hold on, almost, almost to the end. Okay, okay. all right. Anyhow, so even though they displayed Avramovino and Avraham incredible alacrity in many famous cases, do not think that that was just their temperament; that they just like to do everything quickly. It was deliberate. It was to do mitzvahs. They did things quickly, but uh, that was a that was a, a deliberate. It was a de- deliberate application of the Midas Azrizas. And in fact, when Avram Avinu became wealthy, it's described as being coveted. It was heavy for him. The Chassidus talks about, was a, the Pasek says, that, uh, right? You should eat from the toil of your hands. And you'll be fortunate, and it'll be good for you. So Chazal say, "Ashecha" means in, in this world, the will be good for you in, in the world to come, material and spiritually. So this explains: like, what does it mean? You get "kapacha," the toil of your hands. It means you have to have a manual labor job, like you have to work with your hands. No, "kapacha," hands means external capacities, hands, as opposed to what? "Meichin." Lave you know, your mind and your heart. So, when it comes to Gashmi, when it comes to material stuff, what are we told? You want to be, you want to have a good life, asherach of a Tevloch, this world and the next world. So, make sure that when it comes to your relationship with the material stuff, that you, I mean, you got to do it. You, your soul came into the world, you're in a body, you got to make a living, you got to feed your family, and there's no shame in being poor, you know, you even have nice things, of course, why not? In fact, the Rebbe once said it's a hachonah crave, it's a close preparation for Mashiach. When Mashiach comes, the Rambam says, the Ma'don are going to be Mitsuim ka'afar. that the delicacies are going to be abundant, like uh, like like dust. So it's a, it's a preparation for Mashiach, that you should be affluent, you should have comforts. So there's nothing wrong with it, okay? There's nothing wrong with having it. The question is your relationship with it. Are you, like, really into it to the point where you're using your mind and your heart to, you know, obsess on amassing this stuff? So then that's the problem. It's not a problem to have it. If you have it, that's beautiful. It's a blessing to have it. The problem when you immerse your mind and your heart in it, it should be your external qualities. So um, this is what we're saying that, that Avramovina, you know, when it came to, he, he was rich. He had gold. He had silver. But when it came to the gold and silver, it was covered. He did it like, you know, like, like slowly, like somebody who's, when I get around to it, my grandfather used to have a little wooden coin, said to it on it. And when people used to say to him, yeah, uh, I'll do it when I get around to it. Here's a round to it. There's a little round to it, said to it, T-U-I-T. You would just give it, here's a round to it, that was. OK. <clears throat> Let's keep going. Another thing that's understood koshel is Anything that's difficult for old people, murgul if you get used to it when you're young, it'll be it'll be easy for you when you're old. See, there are things that are hard for old people, but not if the old person did it when they were young, then it won't be hard for them when they're old. Habit makes something nature, second nature. Afa atma, even if the thing itself is difficult. By all rights, it should be difficult for you, but you got used to it, so it's not difficult for you. Okay. we find in the Medish Nitzavim, talking about Medish Dvarim Rabbah. The Amra Rabba Say no Zihrain the sages say Shiva Dvarma Mashlaima Malachalovashalamala otzil. King Solomon addressed the lazy person seven times in Mishlei, in the book of Proverbs. There's seven different places. A few of them are all in one place, but they're spread out in different chapters of the of the book. That uh, King Solomon addressed the lazy person seven times in the book of Proverbs. That's what the meddish says. Umasha meshe, and what Moses said, this, this meddish is in Parsha Snitzavim where it says, which is really taken from the title page of Tanya. You know that? The posseg in the bottom was taken from the title page of Tanya. Okay. Meisha learned Tanya, apparently. Okay. And that which Meisha, what Moses said, was bigger than, meaning a bigger rebuke than anything Shleman that Solomon said. Okay. Ketzad? How so? Tell me. Okay, break it down for me. Otsel. So here's like a hypothetical scenario. They say to the to the lazy guy, "Hey, lazy guy, your teacher, your rabbi is in town." <clears throat> is in town. I actually I looked up the medrash. Isn't that a song? is in town or coming to town? Is that a song? Set close. What? the close. I don't know. <laughs> this is the, the, the I looked up the Medishava Actually, um, the Etz Yosef who's one of the on the Medish, He actually says to change the order a little bit here because it actually makes more logical sense. So I'm going to read the Medish the way that the uh, Etz the Yosef says to read it. <clears throat> At first, they tell him your rabbi is in the Medina. He's in the state. So like you're in five towns, and they say your rabbi is in where to go? Borough Park. Okay, so you heard this last week. Stolen a rabbit, right? Okay. So you're in five towns and you have to go to Borough Park. That's in the Medina, that's in the state. The same region. Okay. So they tell you your rabbi is in the same state as you, same region. That's how we're gonna read it. Um yeah. Go and learn from him. Go learn from him. But he answers them. He says to them, I can't. I'm afraid of the lion in the way. Hold on a second. I think I skipped. I didn't skip because I'm trying to flip the order like the it's Yosef says to flip it. Where do we see this? Like it says. Shachal like is like a lion cub. He says, there's a lion cub like between five towns and Borough Park. I have to go on the Belt Parkway, and I'm afraid there's going to, maybe on the Belt Parkway, there's going to be a lion cub. So it's probably better that I don't go, even though my rabbi is so close. You know, he's five zip codes away, but I don't want to, I don't want to go. I don't want to risk it. Okay. Fine. They tell him, So again, like the also says, at this point, they say, he's in the city. They say to him, no, he's he's in Cedarhurst. He's in the same town as you. I'm Get up, go to him. He says, Even if he's in the same town as me, I'm afraid that when I'm walking in the street, I'm going to walk down Central Avenue and there's going to be a, a lion, like it says. This is another Pasek from Mishli, a verse from, from Proverbs. There's a lion in the streets. Not because the circus train broke down. The lion escaped. He says, There's a lion in the streets. I'm sorry, even if my rabbi's in the same town, I'm not going. Um, so they tell him, He's living next door to you. He's your neighbor. Just walk outside and, and walk into the next house next door. Amrullah um, says, No, there's a lion right outside my door. That's another verse from, from Mishli. The, the, the lazy person said, There's a lion outside. I can't go, even if my rabbi's right next door. They say they say to him, He's in your house. The phone call. Get out of the house. The phone call is coming from in the house. We're going to light a campfire afterwards. I'm going to tell you ghost stories. That's the punchline. You know you know that ghost story? Nope. Get out of the house. The phone calls come. People on YouTube Google that. It's a famous. Ghost story. Get out of the house. The phone call is coming from inside the house. Okay. he look it up later. All right. So he says, <laughs> He's in the house. So he answers them. Maybe I'll go to him. I'll walk down the hall. I'll go to his room. But his door will be closed. <laughs> I go back? Then I'm going to have to go all the way back to my room. And then I'll go back to his room. Too much work. I'm going to light. So they say to him, but his door is open. Where do you find this? Like it says in, in the verse, the door is swinging on its hinges and the lazy guy's lying in bed. His rabbi is down the hall from him and he won't go because he's afraid even though the door is open. He said, no, maybe it's closed. All right. By the end, he doesn't, he doesn't, he he ran out of excuses because now they told him he's down the hall from you and the, and the door is open. So he says to them, Whether the door is open, whether the door is closed. I want to sleep a little more. I'm tired. Like it says again from Mishli, Lazy bones. How long are you going to sleep? When are you going to get up from your sleep? Now, you think it couldn't get any worse? Oh, it could get worse. We like said Shlemalach had seven rebukes for the lazy guy. I think this is only the sixth one. Omen Mishnah the Baker gets up in the morning. Now, this is the sixth one. They put food in front of him to eat. You want to hear the height of laziness? They put food in front of him to eat. Humis Atzelseik Piv. He won't even put it in his mouth. Shinama, like. Like the verse, again, from Mishli from says, the, the lazy guy puts his, he dips his hand into the plate. Nilo, he gets tired. Nilo is like Leah, like Yaakov's wife Leah gets I mean, tired. Nilo, he gets tired. to bring his hand back to his mouth. So he's got his hand in the cookie jar. Where he's like, oh, this is... I'm sorry, I just don't have the kaya to bring. He's got food in his hand. Ah, can't do it. I can't bring the food back to my mouth. That's how lazy he is. Okay, that, that was the sixth one. This, what's the seventh one? That's what it says again in Mishli. In the winter, the lazy person didn't plow. Then he goes and looks to harvest in the harvest time, the winter when he should have plowed. He didn't plow. Now he goes to look to harvest in the harvest time. And there's nothing there. What do you expect? If he didn't plow, there's nothing to reap. It's not talking about agricultural tips. You need Solomon for farming tips? That's not what it means. What does it mean? The Rashbi says, Zeh. This is a person who didn't learn Torah when he was young. And now he wants to learn when he's old. He doesn't know how. It's actually worse than he doesn't know how, as as he's going to explain. He doesn't have the skill. He didn't develop the capacity for doing Things that are that are, that are are hard. That's what he's saying. If he would have habituated himself to sitting and learning when he was young, then it wouldn't be hard for him to do it when he was old. But he never habituated himself to that when he was young. So now when he wants, now when he values it. By the way, they've done studies about when do people seek out their religion. Like usually, not to be morbid, but at a certain age, people start all of a sudden to get spiritual. Okay. So it's just it's a known psychological uh, phenomenon. So here's this guy, all of a sudden he's like, you know, I'm kind of interested. I would kind of like to learn. And the problem is to learn, you have to be able to actually put forth some effort. He's not accustomed to it. So he's, he doesn't, he, he, it's very hard for him to, to put forth the effort. Okay. That, that's what it means he wants to go reap the harvest in the, in the harvest time. There's nothing to harvest because he never habituated himself. The, the, the Benish Chai will explain a little bit more in a minute. Okay, so those are the seven rebukes of Shalai Me'amelech. And we remember, we said that Meisher Rabbeinu also rebuked uh, the lazy person with an even bigger rebuke. But Meisher said was bigger than them all. where does he say it? Where does it come from? Like like it says, adav me'ed. This matter is very near to you in your mouth, in your heart, that you may do it. So here's how the Medrash reads this pasuk here. Take it out of your mouth. It's in your mouth already. Just speak it. You know it already. So the mentioned before the Aits Yosef and the Medrash. So uh, there's another the two big mufarshim of the Medrash is the Aits Yosef and the Marazul. The Marazul says that. Meshe Rabbeinu was speaking to the uh, to the generation that learned Tata. He taught them Tata. So they already knew the whole Tata. So he's saying to them, "Beficha means just say it, just chaser, just repeat what I taught you. You already know. You don't even have you don't even have to take the effort to go learn. Just repeat what you know what you know. Repeat what you learn. That's the end of the medish. Go look there. Okay. Now what 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 the Benish says right now? When I read it, I felt like he was writing in 2021. It seemed very very contemporary. Seemed very very like appropriate for our day. He was speaking in the late 1800s, early 1900s. But if you read what he's what he said in this part here, this seems like mamash today. Okay. Shleimer shleime rebuked seven ways, the lazy person. is why seven? To hint, that this laziness is coming from a, it's a, it's a spiritual, moral issue not it's not a biological issue it's not that god forbid the guy's clinically depressed and therefore he can't learn he can't learn because he can't brush his teeth he can't get out of bed so of course he can't learn it's very interesting what the uh, bennish is saying here if the guy poshen has a problem all around he just he he's not motivated you know of if, 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 the doctor ask you to see if you're depressed did you lose interest in the things you like they don't say did you lose interest in the things you don't like i was never interested Are you having a hard time enjoying things that you normally would enjoy? It's a very important question. So if the person doesn't have any joy, he's not excited about anything. Okay, so that's a different problem. That's not a moral issue. It's not a moral issue. It's not a rush. He's not doing anything wrong. It's a different thing. It's a different thing, and he needs help for that. But here what we're saying is, no, he doesn't have depression. His body doesn't have an issue. It's not a biochemical thing. It's not a biological thing. He's fine. And you know what the proof is that he's fine? The things he likes, he has a lot, of, has a lot of pep. He's able to go run and, and do those things. So you should know why is it pumped? Those things that are spiritual things, that are religious things. All of a sudden, all a, there you have, pro- you have a problem with with alacrity. He's saying, I'm telling you, this is the yetsahada. This is the yetsahada. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Distinction to be made here. Okay. He says, we see about the person. When it comes to material things, he's very fast. You call him up and you say, I got this uh, this big guy here who wants to make a deal right now. He wants to sign right now. You make a lot of money. I'll be right there. How come... For some weird reason, it's only when it comes to... Hey, we need a tenth for Mincha. Uh, I'm too far away. Okay. If the atzlos is really an, his nature or his... Mizgai means his chemistry, his, his uh, composition, his, his constitution... And that's why Shlomo Melch gives seven rebukes because he's talking with the Yitzahara, which has seven aspects to it. Can sheva which are reflected by the seven names that the Yitzahara is referred to. This is a Gemara in Sukkis, Daf Nun Bei, So It says over there the seven names of the Ra and Thomei and. Uh, and Saina uh, and Aril, uh, there's different names attributed to different, different sources, different psukim different names we call the uh, the, the Yitzhahara. Anyways, there's seven attributes of the Yitzhahara, and so there's, there's seven unique rebukes that Shlomo gives to address the Yitzhahara. In other words, he's not yelling at somebody who has a legitimate issue of lack of energy. That's not that's not what, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about someone who has selective energy. When it comes to things he cares about, all of a sudden he can have alacrity and he's being selective not to have that alacrity when it comes to Yiddishkeit. That's why Shlomo says seven rebukes for the person who's lazy, about tater. To tell you this is a moral issue, it's a spiritual problem. Seven names of Yiddishkeit. The Now this is the part I I thought sounded like 2021. We should take seriously to heart the sixth thing. That, that's the thing. Remember, the, the, I, I can't go. to, My rabbi's in another town. Ah, I'm afraid of the the lion on the Belt Parkway. Oh, he's in your town. Oh, I'm afraid of the lions on the street. Oh, he's next door. I'm afraid of the lion outside. Oh, he's in your house. Uh, maybe the door is closed. All oh, right, he, 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 we're putting food in front of you. You're holding onto the food. No, I can't. Leave, I can't bring my uh, my hand to my mouth. Okay. So that was the sixth thing. I can't even bring my hand to my mouth. I'm holding food in my hand, and I can't bring it to my mouth. I can't be bothered to bring it to my mouth. Watch what he says here. They put food in front of him. And he can't even bring it. He can't even lift the spoon to his mouth. That's exactly our situation. Listen to what the says. We are all now in a situation where we are holding the food right in our hands and we won't even lift it to our mouths. You want to talk about historically, when we were kids, we used to walk 10 miles each way in the snow, uphill both ways to school, right? The Rishaynim, that doesn't mean Rishaynim like, you know, the meaning in the old days, the old, old days, you know what I mean by the old days? When you're talking about Jewish history, the old days, no, the really old days. I'm talking about before the Mishnah, if you wanted to learn Shabal Pe, you had to know a guy. I know a guy. You know a guy who you knows Shabal Pe? There was no book. You know, Give me a book. This no, it's Bal Peh. You gotta know a guy. Okay, you'd have to go find him. You'd have to go find a guy to teach it to you. My father told me. Father's found this and he says, one time, I think this is when he was in Korea, or maybe on the boat but over to Korea, he saw a guy doing knife tricks. Some tough guy doing knife tricks. And uh, so he knew he was a knife fighter. So my father goes over to the guy, he's like, teach me how to knife fight. And he says, you're lucky I don't do to you what the guy did to me. Taught me how to knife fight. He's like, What did the guy who taught you how to knife fight do? He says, I went over to him just like you came over to me and I said, Teach me how to knife fight. Pull out a knife. He slashed me in the forehead. He said, Lesson number one, never ask a man how to knife fight. (laughs) I'm I'm just telling you the story that traumatized me as a child. I'm done. I'm traumatizing you. Okay. Anyways. So, what are we talking about here? In the olden days, you want to learn how to knife. I mean, you want to learn Tadir Shabbat Pei. You have to find a guy who knows Tadir Shabbat Pei. I would have to go to him. Teach me Tadir Shabbat Pei, right? Okay. <inkling from sunset> but after some time, <grappled> it became permissible to write it <speaking chemicals from the vast-house> because it was a, an emergency measure. <speaking from the frequency> but you couldn't find Svara. So it, it exists. You know, we're talking about now in the times at this point where uh, Rabbi Noel Kodesh wrote it down. So, somewhere, it exists somewhere, but who says you have access? Because manuscripts are very expensive. A guy has to sit down and has to write that. How long does it take a guy to write to write the, all of the Mishnayas? So, it's very expensive. But then the printing press was invented Gutenberg Bible. Then the printed, well, year was that? 1500, something. somebody Google it. Okay. And then Svarim became, meaning books, printed books became common. But they were still expensive. It was still expensive to get a book. Not everybody could afford every book that he needed. We're doing like the whole history in one Paragraph. Then after that, they improved this, uh, what do you call it? This, uh, how would you call it? Uh, not, I'm not, I don't want to say malocha, this work, but uh, process. the the process. They improved the printing process. It got better. I don't know what the improvements to the printing process were, but there were some improvements. But bazul, it became cheaper. It became cheaper to buy a book. And there became it became very common to find books, old books and new books, meaning the books that they were writing at the time, and also the classics. The classics. It became very common to get to be able to get books. But nevertheless, you still had to figure out where to find the subject you were looking for. So even now you have the books, but I'm not sure where to look up the thing that I'm looking for. But now, in our day, Ben is speaking late late 1800s, early 1900s. It became common that we have a new kind of scholar. They are... Compilers, they compile, they call from various different sources. And they organize divrei in logical ways, how to find it. They give nice footnotes and sources, citations, and everything small and big. You can find anything you need, but not go very easily without any hassle. By the way, the Ben Ishai himself, Ben Ishai himself. What was he involved in? He was involved in making halacha accessible to the layman. The, in, in many ways, the Ben Yishchai is like the Sfar the Shulchan Aruch, Okay, but Shikitz Shulchan Aruch also existed at that time. Okay, and uh, the Chayodim existed, and the Aruch Hashulchan existed. So those Fadim were around. Brura. I think Mishnibrura is actually a little bit later. Could be contemporaneous to the the Ben The point is, these kinds of books existed where you don't even have to now figure out where to find something. It's all organized for you. And it has citations if you want to go look it up in the big books. Nimtza comes out. Here's the history of Jewish scholarship. From before Rabbeinu HaKadosh until the times of the Benishkari. <speaking in Hebrew> our ancestors, they plowed Vazaru and planted the and reaped Uvaru and they refined the and they milled the and they winnowed the and they kneaded the and they baked Ubishlu and they Cooked, and then they set everything up. They plated it for you, captain style. They played it, it's not family style, you have to go to the buffet. They plated it for you. It's all on the table in front of us. And we're too tired to put it in our mouths. I'm thinking, I'm reading this. I'm thinking, what would the Benishai say today? <laughs> you can Google anything, you can go on. I mean, like right now, this this year, this is live on YouTube, but later on, it'll go up on my side on so I'll go up on Torah anytime, like you go to Torah anytime, and you can start watching him and even you watch it on double speed before you finish. Even if you don't watch everything that's old, before you finish whatever is new, there's going to be new classes posted you could never finish. And it's all right there. Boom, you just push a button. So the Benish Chai was saying how spoiled they were back then. I mean, think about how spoiled we were. Okay. Mishiach's Zeichen really, really is, really is messianic stuff that we have such a flood of accessible. Like never, like not only like never before, like never imagined before. Okay, fine. Now the seventh thing. The seventh thing. Remember the seventh thing. The sixth thing was you're you're holding the food. Put it in your mouth. The seventh thing was that that was that that was what I should have said. Take it out of your mouth. The seventh thing that Shlema said was if you don't plow in the winter, you're going to go on a reap in the harvest time, and there's nothing to harvest. So he says like this. He says, <sighs> if in your youth if we force ourselves, if we subjugate our our nature We force ourselves proverbially to take the food from the set table and put it in our mouths. You're gonna be able to eat calmly, without excessive toil, when you are old. If you habituate yourself as young as possible to the discipline of learning, then it's not going to be hard to continue that through your life. He says, But this is precisely the problem. This is precisely the problem we don't condition ourselves at a young age to eat from all the food that's available in front of us then when we have a desire when we're older now we want to serve ourselves from the the table that's set in front of us it's hard for us we didn't habituate ourselves at a young age. And this is what Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai says in the Medrash. Somebody who doesn't learn when he's young, then he tries when he's old, and he doesn't, he's not able. What's the reason we make he lasik? Like, but zrizos. Uh, there's that word. In order to learn taira, you need alacrity. The afshala hasig. You cannot learn if you want to take it easy. Kamesha Amru Bagamara. I like the Gemara says, Gemara got it from the 12 sukkim. Right? Moshe got it from the of Tanya, and the Gemara got it from the top Pesukim. If a person says, I did not toil, and yet I found. I didn't work for it, and I succeeded. Al-Tayman, don't believe him. It's not possible. But if he says, I worked for it, and I found, I, I, I worked hard to learn Torah, and I understand the Torah, and I, I acquired it, Taiman, you should believe that. Since zrizus requires hard work, this is actually something that staves off old age. But but if if you don't habituate yourself, then it's very. Then you, you, then you're not staving off old age, and you're you're su- you're subject to the difficulties of old, old age. Therefore, if you would have conditioned yourself at a young age, then the habituation becomes natural. The the kevin the kevin the tivis since it became, you know, he's used to it. Say, it's not going to be hard for you when you're old. Like we said very clearly at the beginning of our thing. Okay, there's one more little section here. Let's uh, see if we can bust it out. All right. This is another... Remember before he said Khashtiv Ismaamati from P uh Peric Kuf Yu And we we said over there it means that Khashti. First I ran full sprint. And then even when I had to slow down, Leh Isma Mati, I didn't dawdle. I you know, I fast walk, more walk. Okay. So now we're gonna have another Pirush of Khashtivale Isma Mati. I I I I hurried and I didn't dawdle. Pirush. He ne atto afa pisha ani zakin. Khashti. Now, even though I'm old, I'm still. I'm moving I'm, I'm I'm moving fast I'm moving quickly normally old people don't move fast no but he's old and he's moving fast why I'm, I'm using even though normally it's difficult for old people but I'm able to do it because I didn't daughter when I was young so basically that's how you read it I'm able to hurry even when I'm old because, like Mati, I didn't dawdle when I was young. I used alacrity, which takes toil, since I accustomed myself to it at a young age. It became natural since it's natural for me so old age does not present a problem but if you want to know why I did it I didn't just do it stom for the fun of it or for a science experiment or because I wanted to be healthy just you know for, the, for its own sake it was like the rest of the plus success so I'm able to hurry now as an old man. Why? Because I didn't dawdle when I was young. In what respect? In what specific application? In doing things for Hashem. I didn't use my zrizis for material things, for mundane things. I use it exclusively for religious things. And you got to know something. It really is fitting. It really makes a lot of sense that David is the one who we're praising as being full of alacrity. Obviously, we're we're mentioning him because he says that he's the one who wrote Tillam. So he said, But really, if you know David Amalek's story, if you know his biography, it really makes sense. Like it says in the Yalkut Shemayinit, that David was very, very speedy. He didn't waste any time when it came to building the base HaMikdash, But posseg, where we learn about it, in, uh, in, in uh, the posseg at Shmuel was that very night, Hashem spoke to the prophet, to Nosen. So Hashem said to Nosen, the prophet, it was the prophet in the times of David, this guy I'm sending you, meaning King David, he works fast. He's a fast worker. at least gonna him before he hires a crew. He's gonna he's gonna get contractors, he's gonna go to Home Depot, he's gonna hire those guys. go and tell him. You're not going to build me that. I have a plan for it, but it's not going to be David. Amelk. It's going to be his son, Shlememel. David will buy the property for it, but he's not going to do the ribbon cutting ceremony. That's going to be Shlememel. Shalai Hashem says to Nasen and Avi, I don't want David to complain to me that I told him this idea. Let's make a Mikdash, and he's going to turn around to go do it. He said, I hired a crew. Uh-huh, not you, your son. So I don't want him to complain. So let him know, slow down. Let him know it's okay to slow down. The guy works so fast. You got to tell him to slow down. I've God, God. that's the uh, Yalkut Shemini. and that's why we know when David says in Kufyutess we can believe him because we know that's that's what he that's how he was. Okay. one more paragraph. Everyone likes a good gematria, right? So, Zorius, a fast person or a quick person, is bigamatria, it's 224, which is Zer Toiv, good crown, good crown. Why is Zorius Zer Toiv, good crown? Because it's Zer Toiv, it's very good, it's in Yiddish. I don't know if the Benish spoke Yiddish, I bet you you understood Yiddish. Anyways, Kimidas Hazizis he kaser tivla odam. Alacrity is a good crown for a person. Shal Yoda Yukalavida Vedas Akidish Keroya that enables you to serve a sham properly. Shalokin amar atana, and that is what the Tana says. Pirkei Yovis. Have a kal kanesher, be swift like an eagle, the rots and fast like a deer, the koari and strong like a lion. La says it say to do the will of your father and have a says the benishai I wrote elsewhere, there's a source for everything. See, there's a symptom and there's an underlying cause. Zrizus is actually an outer manifestation. So if you want to have Zrizus, okay, I'm convinced. I, I learned all this. I want to have zrizis. But Zrizus is actually the outgrowth of something deeper. ben Chai says, I explained to you before, there's a shayrish and a mocker of everything. You have to look at underlying causes and conditions. So if you want zrizis, you have to know what zizus comes from. Zrizus comes from simcha. She la <laughs> And especially, or specifically here, if you want to have zrizis and t'ri mitzvahs, you have to have simcha and t'ri mitzvahs. That is just the way people are built. That if you have simcha, you have bay. Anything that you are happy about, you you do it with alacrity. You do it quickly. You don't bother. And if you're not happy about it, and especially if you're sad about it, you're going to do it lazily because I'm being forced I'm being forced to do it. So you're not doing it quickly. So he advises us. So it comes out. You know, they say uh, necessity is the mother of invention. All right. Okay. For example, and the mothers of invention. But necessity is a mother of invention. So here the Benishai said that Simcha is the mother of Zvezis. Joy is the mother of alacrity. We've got a new uh poster for you for the office, right? Okay, there you go. The heyaladata. <laughs> Simcha gives birth to in Lochinheim. That's why they're interrelated. They're good together. Muvan, now it's understood very well. Shaper very well. Maimir Razal, the saying of our sages, Sha the Vahoya. There's a there's a Droshas Khazal on the word vahoya, and it was. The Heim umru, the, 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 the sages say, Ain Vahya Simcha. Anywhere the Tayh says vahaya, it's talking about something that's happy. The also, the sages, same sages say, If the Torah says, it's talking about something that had to be done right away. So the Ishai points out, One relies on the other. They're interrelated. Simcha and And that's why they're both implied by the same word. They're so interrelated that the same word in Torah. Implies both of them simultaneously. Ki al yidei shneiem through both of them. Yichud shem havaya baruchu. Now a little kabbalah. Vahaya is the acius havaya. So through vahaya, which is simcha, and vahaya, which is zrizos. Then you have yichud shem havayishul acius vahaya, which is rearrangement of the letters of the word vahaya, and it was. So the main thing is the simcha, I guess. <laughs> After all that, what do you need the the for? We'll get the simcha, and then automatically you have the Zrizis with the simcha. Okay, fine. Yeah.